we were managed by idiots. And, you know, <laughs> I think that they knew that we thought that about them. And we made it clear, <laughs> which is why we asked to be sold. You know, it was just like asking for a divorce and then getting shot in the face. Uh, <laughs> I knew it was the troll answer. So I went with that. <laughs> I know how you fuckers think. <laughs> Jason, you're not... Jason, you can't outthink Jim. Burning of the Cuyahoga River, as, as many times as it burned, was part of the reason why Richard Nixon created the Environmental Protection Agency. So, <laughs> thanks, Cleveland. I normally don't read dot, dot, dot. Now the story of an eclectic fan base who lost touch with reality and the one podcast that somehow holds them all together. It's the Substandard Expanded Universe. You are listening to the SSEU podcast. The SSEU is a 20-odd-week podcast dedicated to hot takes about Star Wars, Disney, and pop culture from a substandard perspective. I am Thomas, your host with an accent, and we are here today for a very, very special episode. First of all, Ryan, are you there? Yes, I was just talking to you. Okay. I'm here. Yeah, no, no one cares. No one cares. Chris, are you there? I'm here. Okay, uh, great. And, um, and I don't have diarrhea. <laughs> That's that's good to know. So we're we're here as well, usual. I was listening to what? the episode a couple weeks ago, and in the opening, Ryan said, "I have diarrhea." So I thought this was something that we were just going to cover in our opening. Ryan, didn't one of your friends say that this is the reason he listens to the podcast? Yeah, I sent him a li- like it was a, one of my best friends from high school, but we've obviously kind of lost, lost touch. He lives in Seattle now, I think, and um, we have not seen each other in probably. 10 years but i i just sent him the link on facebook and i just said hey you always seem to like my sense of humor this is a really stupid podcast that i do and i have no explanation for how it got started and for that was months ago and then he was email he uh, messaged me back on facebook yesterday and said um i don't check Facebook at all. I just got this message last night. I, I started episode 19, and the first two minutes you said, I have diarrhea, and I was hooked. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's, it's, it's the content people want. Yeah, so yes. I just thought we'd, we'd circle around to that, and it would be just a segment. Uh, Ryan, do you still have diarrhea? I didn't at the time, and you know it. I was, let's just move on. <laughs> you do now. Okay. <laughs> Uh, also with us, born and raised in Ohio, the son of a mailman and a lady mailman, uh, now residing in the swamp on the East Coast, the world's most powerful capital, a former hockey star, chili connoisseur, he's served in Congress, he ran a conservative newspaper into the ground, uh, or magazine, I guess I should say, um, Jim Swift, <laughs> uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, there's no real difference between the magazine side and the, and the you know, newspaper <laughs> side. No, there is. There is. No yeah, I, I, I guess at our successor publication, the Washington Examiner, which is enjoying its 25th year of existence. Congratulations, guys. You've made it a quarter of a century. <laughs> Bravo. I've, I've been a huge fan since I was if, nine. If you need a job, people, oh, DM mean, Seth Mandel. Sh- His DMs are open. You're a huge fan. Oh, I shouldn't have canceled? Oh, well, too late. Did you get the, did you get the luggage tag, though? I mean... <laughs> oh, I got the Weekly Standard luggage tag. Yeah, I did. 
but that's a, cl- uh, that's a collector's item. It is know, now. Like. Yeah, that's right. It is. I'm going to have to put that on all my luggage. Uh, I thought you were going to say that you were going to put it on eBay. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone in the SSE, you mentioned that they got like the last issue of the Weekly Standard a week ago or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, it's really funny. And I, I did an interview today with this researcher who was doing a project on conservative media. And since I didn't sign the hush money agreement, I could talk to them. <laughs> and I said that Ryan McKibben and Media DC were like the spouse that is like, you know, periodically putting arsenic in your soup to slowly poison you. Um, and but this is one conspiracy, though, that like the Postal Service, when it comes to magazine mail right now on one hand old people like to complain like when when you're expecting a weekly magazine you're expecting it to like get there oh my uh, gosh you know immediately so like tonight's a thursday night so if the weekly standard still existed i'd still be at the office or at least at home working and we'd still be putting this thing out it would get to the printer maybe like in theory, the deadline is three minutes from from now when recording this, eleven fifty seven Eastern time. And so then they pr- so then they print this stuff out on a Friday, and then they have to put all the labels on it, and then it has to get sorted, and it has to go all the way out. But like this is not like first class mail, right? I mean, yeah. periodical mail is is a, is a much lower, cheaper rate. I don't know what the inefficiencies are, but like <laughs> from time to time, I would I would hear from subscribers all over the country. But like I have, you know, like my 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 in laws are now former subscribers, and they're like, yeah, I got like one issue, and then a week later, I got a uh, an issue that was like from like a week and a half, like yes. two weeks before. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> really. I mean, we could you could you can do postal traces. On these things but it takes like so much time and when you have like tens of thousands of subscribers mm-hmm. you know it becomes an issue yeah but essentially you have to go to your postal person and complain <laughs> but like you know people will complain to the people who send them the magazine but when you tell them it's just like look we looked into it there's not really an issue on our end you know you're gonna have to ask the people who actually deliver this stuff <laughs> uh to look into it uh and that involves going to the post office which is like hey you know, you should go to the dentist and get that checked yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. people but, don't like doing that. But but I feel I feel like at least I have reason to believe that in Ohio, I'm pretty sure that the postal service works really well. <laughs> mm, it depends. I mean, I, I think that the best way to get these magazines, especially if you want to read the Washington Examiner, is not to pay for it. Uh, but in Washington D.C., they just go to go to any metro station near where like homeless people are passed out, and they have these they have these red they have these red MAGA boxes, and that's unfair because they've always been red since it was a newspaper. I mean, they haven't been red necessarily by lots of people, but uh, they've been red like the color. Um, but but they give it away for free. It's a value of uh, you know uh, the the cover price is I think seven ninety nine, but you get it for free if you. Uh, you just get off on the metro but they, they give it away for free that will ensure that there are no postal delays and it will <laughs> save you 120 dollars a year so okay let's recap don't pay for the washington examiner go to where you find trash and you you get it for free <laughs> yes or you will find it in the trash <laughs> in fact there are members of the sub beacon expanded universe who are have received it despite canceling like I five got, times I, I got the first one even though I canceled, I, I still got the first one. Tom Abella uh, has a uh, fire pit that he's put up uh, outside the back <laughs> of his house, and he's made it a, a weekly tradition of burning Washington Examiner uh, magazines. He's got more than one? I think he's yeah. gotten two, and I think he's burned both of them. At least two, I think maybe three. 
So, uh, again, you know, again, like people tried really hard to cancel their weekly standard <laughs> subscriptions, and like no, I, we didn't cancel our weekly standard subscriptions. Our, we canceled uh, our subscriptions that got rolled over into the Washington Examiner. Right. You know, and, we, and they're we like, well, we can give you restaurant gift card. It's, it's <laughs> the whole thing. Media DC restaurants dot com. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Like it's hilarious. I mean, and they they pulled down like off the website an easy way like a one click unsubscribe like they like it is very obviously without even any inside information it's a mess that's exactly what they did i mean they 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 made it harder and yeah, i yeah. actually got from a former colleague of mine like one of her relatives sent an email saying i don't want this anymore and they're like, you understand that you don't want this anymore but we're still going to send it to you and, and, my, and my and my my parents who canceled um and look I have friends at the Examiner, and the Examiner has a lot of very talented and good journalists. And as much as I'm going to enjoy there's, not there's getting good my people severance, on both and, sides, yeah. <laughs> as much as I'm going to like get value out of my not getting their hush money severance, I'm I'm going to enjoy it. But my mom got this circular from them where they said, "Get eight issues for free, no obligation. More values plus culture inside the Beltway, beyond politics, life and arts, policy." I don't know if you guys have looked at any. Of, of, the, of, these, of this new magazine stuff like th- their back of the book section is like six pages and like we we could have like singular articles in the weekly standard at the back of the book that were like six pages um but i i don't know i take like an unprecedented level of access monthly conference calls winstar discounts because you know everyone wants to go on a cruise um subscriber only video series i mean these are the geniuses that pivoted to video like years after everyone realized it was a sham i mean they're like they're like the candidate of business decision makers you know it's just I mean, what are they going to open? Like, you know, the Media DC Mall next? I mean, it's just terrible. <laughs> someone, but I, but I, someone recently shared a link to, to the Weekly Standards website to an old archived article. Uh, and I opened it on my phone and I just had to keep scrolling because there were ads and videos all over it the more page. Videos, it, had vi- it had more videos than Pornhub. <laughs> if you guys want to know the real reason why they did that, we fought them very hard on autoplay videos. I mean, we never made money. The examiner certainly doesn't make money. They lose far more than we do, probably even more now. They wanted us to have autoplay videos on our website. Bill Crystal and Steve Hayes fought them because since we had editorial control and said, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And we also had a highly restrictive paywall, unless you lived in D.C. If you had a GOIP in D.C., you, you weren't subject to it. And they were like, why? This is like a best practice. It was just like, why? It fucks your time on site. It pisses off the people who actually pay for your content. Uh It does not encourage people to do it. So, you know, when we were unsure about the future of the archives, uh, and thankfully, you know, I guess for now, knock on wood, they're going to keep them. But they're like, ah, we're going to put three autoplay videos in every single article. And that was the sort of like final fuck you poke in the eye to spike the football. Like, Mm. we get it. Well, um, I don't know if you know this, Jim, but Ryan McKibben's actually a huge fan of our show. Is there anything you want to say to him? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Thomas, get your finger ready on that bleep button. (laughs) Well, I've already already sworn a number of times. Um, (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, there's no bleep button. We don't even know how to right. do that. How much was it McKibben and how much was it Phil uh, Anschutz? 
I will answer that in a second. Uh, the one thing I would want to say to Ryan McKibben is that um, his wife is a national treasure. She's a very nice person. I met her at our first Broadmoor event, and she was very nice and fun. When it comes to nice and fun, those are not words I associate with Ryan McKibben. Um, so, you know, more power to her because, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know, as jokey as I am, like, I hung out with her. She was like, like a fundamentally like really nice, cool woman. I was just like, I like this woman. She's cool. It was just a lot of fun. Um, it's not her fault. Her husband runs things into the ground. Yeah, it's like, you know, it's like Michael. He Bolton. might be a nice guy, like in other not my aspects fault of his he life. Sucks, you know. No, I, I think this is almost all McKibben. Look, our losses in the examiner's losses compared to like what Anschutz made and or makes and all of these other things are literally like a rounding error yeah. on his yeah. accounting sheet. I mean, this is yeah. this was all a vanity project. So you know, McKibben who you know, came up with a great idea to have like 57 free newspapers across the United States. <laughs> brand. I mean, it was an inventive, it was an inventive, bold idea. Sure. But like, I think they only got San Francisco, Washington and Baltimore. I think those were the only ones they got. <laughs> was there anything that they did like with the app that hurt the app? Cause I remember it seemed like the app went the down for state- yeah, the when there was the app. weekly standard app, if I, yeah. I seem to remember, like it went down for a while, and, and then it it's it got better, and then it went down again, or something like, and then it got worse. Yeah, or, like it it went back to how it was originally, is what I feel like. I can't like I, I wasn't you know I wasn't aware of like what was going on behind the scenes at the time, but I just remember being right. kind of confused with what was going on with the app. So if we take a step back, I mean, apps used to be almost all proprietary and like mm-hmm. firms made a bunch of money designing them and, you know, coming up with custom stuff and you'd have to like download it. And you'd be like, why do I need to spend 57 megabytes of my phone's space, you know, for this? Like, really? I mean, mm-hmm. now apps are basically like small custom browsers, right? And you just kind of like specify the terms. When Anschutz bought, he really wanted to buy the Broadmoor where we had our our summit. And with the Broadmoor came the Oklahoma Publishing Company. And it came with actually, strangely, a waffle company called Der Waffle Bakers. You can probably (laughs) find them in your grocery store. And so like, it was like a billion... Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a billionaire to billionaire sale. Like Anschutz loved the Broadmoor, and like he wanted nothing more than to own the Broadmoor, and like you know the castor oil to swallow to get the Broadmoor was that he had to buy a newspaper in Oklahoma, and uh, a waffle making company, and a railroad <laughs> that goes to the top of Pikes Peak, which is part of the Broadmoor. But if you guys have ever seen the movie In Good Company, yeah, about synergy and synergizing, with, uh, yeah. With Topher yeah. Grace and uh, Dennis Quaid. Yeah, this this was like fucked up Teddy K sort of stuff, where it was just like, cool. I own this now. I now I own this Midwestern newspaper that has their like proprietary <laughs> CMS that almost nobody uses. Why don't I make every publication I own use it? Oh, and and so when it comes to like exporting the to the iPad app, uh, and it was only on Apple for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Only like months before you know the end, did we actually get something on Android? And I finally deleted the app recently. No, no, no. Th- this thing and, and the folks over there were very nice. I, I, you know, I dealt with them and had to fight with them, but it was like unnecessarily bureaucratic that like we were forcibly required to do business with other people when it was not clearly in our best interests. You know, that this thing was laggy, it was terrible, and, you know, there was no impetus to do anything good about it or to make it good or to grow. Right. Because, because of the, the waffle company. 
Well, I mean, we could have had a we could have had a dynamic website, and you know, in that interview, I was talking with the this media researcher. He's like, "Well, why didn't you why didn't you you know sign the non disparagement agreement?" And I was like, "Well, you know, screw them. That's why." I sit, <laughs> like, I mean, at the Bulwark right now, you know, we we have a company that contracts uh, for us and does our webpage, which is I think eminently better, faster, nicer, and everything else. Anything that Jonathan, me, or other people want, it gets done in like a matter of hours. And like even small things, I think back to like what it would have taken to get that done at the Weekly Standard. It would have taken like a month in like three strategy meetings that lasted hours long each. And again, that's why it goes back to the spouse poisoning the other spouse with arsenic. I mean, I just think that like they were just trying to like dampen our spirits and like we were just such stubborn sons of bitches that we <laughs> you just kept going anyway we were just like oh you're putting arsenic in my soup i'm just going to keep eating that goddamn soup you know? <laughs> so you guys like in phantom thread it was, like where a, it was a death pack what it frustrated it me is it it didn't it did not need to be that bad you know i remember one, during one redesign they're like hey we want you to use this new proprietary cms and we were like yeah how about no Um, we would like to use WordPress, which is like industry standard, like normal. And they're like, but how about this? And I'm like, you're basically asking us to take a Ford Tempo and get rid of our seven-year-old Ferrari. And they're like, well, that, you know, that seven-year-old Ferrari costs a lot of money. And I was just like. But it's a 2018 Ford Tempo. Yeah. It's got Bluetooth. It's got Bluetooth. Does your seven-year-old Ferrari have Bluetooth? Just like, I'm not talking while driving in a Ferrari. I mean, like. That that was back when we used to get a lot of dredge traffic, and you know because of Trump and politics and everything else, um, in our in our our editorial viewpoint, we didn't did get as much. Drudge, did Drudge not link to you guys as much after Trump? That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Who could have predicted? You know. But my, my impression or what I heard was that the Weekly Standard still did did really well on web traffic, right? Yeah, I mean not as well as like the boom days when you know Drudge was linking to us like a couple times a week. But, you know, I mean, that that's like being addicted to Coke, right? <laughs> like, it's, it, I mean, it, it, it messes with your metrics. And if you have a parent company that is, like, stupidly obsessed with metrics, you know, like, I, I remember, I mean, uh, we have a podcast at The Bulwark, which uh, is doing really well. And yep. I hope, you know, and I hope, it, you know, I know you guys love podcasts. I mean, this is a podcast <laughs> about a podcast. Um, and I spend a lot of time on it, and I'm very proud of it. And it's, it's doing great. Um, but the I remember, was great. <laughs> but Media DC hated podcasts. And one of the reasons that they hated podcasts <laughs> because the wa- uh, of course they because, did because the Washington Examiner was terrible at them, <laughs> and uh, and it didn't cost the company really any money, like <laughs> like <laughs> compared compared to other things that they did. But uh, their obsession with metrics, you know, like they would have these monthly reports and they do all this stuff. It was I think it was like Christmas Day. Bill Crystal, or maybe it was like the day, the day before Christmas Day or day after Christmas, maybe like 2014. Bill did a, like a podcast, and it's like, here I am, Bill Crystal, you know, doing the thing we do on Christmas. <laughs> got out, saw a movie. Got I'm, some, I'm loving got this Bill Crystal. I'm, this great. You know, it's just you know, it's just really nice. Got some Chinese food and uh, <laughs> Donald Trump, terrible, very bad. Uh, very concerned about that. and. That podcast got like a quarter of a million downloads because because Drudge had nothing to link to. And so he linked to it and, uh, you know, I posted it and I was just like, I'm just going to go about, you know, 
dealing with my holidays. Mm-hmm. And like I log in, I just, you know, like when you log into the CMS on the, the podcast side of things, you just see the stats and it was just like, whoop. And so like, <laughs> that was just like a, it was like putting uh, a magnet next to a compass. And that like fucked our stats for years. It was just like everything's on a downward trend. It was just like, oh, well, yeah, right. Everything, everything's on a downward trend when one podcast got like you know, mm-hmm. months worth of downloads. <laughs> right. um, it's you, you can't in, in, in a news cycle, you can't compare year over year traffic, especially in the Trump era. And that's why these guys were the dumbest people in the room at Media BC is because there's like your year over year traffic. Was, yeah. Your 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 over year traffic was terrible. It was just like, oh no, it was tax reform like the big thing in April of last year. Too? You know? Gee. You know, I mean like like we we were managed by idiots and you know, I think that they knew that we thought that about them and we made it clear. Which is why we asked to be sold. You know, it was just like asking for a divorce and then getting shot in the face. Uh <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there were people, individuals, or groups of people who were actually interested in buying the Weekly Standard, right? So far as I know, I, I think very few people know the specifics, and it's Ryan, Phil, Steve Hayes, a couple of, like fewer than like probably six people, including the yeah. buyers. But you know, they knew what they were doing, and this was always like a fear that people at the Standard had. Again, I like the Washington Examiner's um, writers, many of them. And when I worked on the Hill, when I moved out here, I read the Washington Examiner newspaper every day. It had amazing local coverage, and that's a credit to Ryan McKibben. I mean, it probably wouldn't have worked on a nationwide scale, but like they covered Metro and its failures like nobody else. They beat the Post. They beat the Post's free paper. They did good crime coverage. Their politics was good, too. But when they turned it into a magazine, it was just like, well, if you already own a national magazine, why would you create another one? But it wasn't a national magazine. It was, you know, it was basically a, a, a free, ma- a free local magazine, uh-huh. and it still, and it still is, you know. So, like when that happened, I think everyone was kind of like, "Ah, uh, what's going on?" <laughs> but it only took them a couple years to to get their final vision achieved. <laughs> yeah. Ryan killed a magazine just to watch it die. <laughs> Uh, I, so you mentioned metrics. I was listening to um, The Remnant the other day, and they were talking about the metrics that they use at the Washington Post and how in the middle of the newsroom, there is apparently like this huge board constantly in real time getting updated with the statistics on how many people are reading different sections on the website and all sorts of stuff. And Yeah, the examiner has one of those. Yeah, that, we didn't because we that, don't care. That, that just seems like... I mean, I sort of get it, but like from a journalistic perspective, that doesn't seem like the best way of running a <laughs> news corporation. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I'll I mean, yeah, but people are reading like uh, about the Kardashians and like, <laughs> no, like, sometimes you got to give the people their vegetables, even if they want to eat their, you know, to mix metaphors, they want to eat their Kardashians. You know what? I'll tell you this without revealing numbers. It's like midnight here. And our site that's basically existed for less than a month has a couple hundred people on it right now. Hmm. That's and that's kind of nuts. But um, you you guys had a you guys had a really good day today, didn't you? Yes, it was. It was it was probably the best day we've had since we were launched. But I'll tell I'll tell you a story about metrics and this weird obsession with them. So the, Steve Sparks, who is the who's the CEO of Media DC, which oversees the Examiner and the Standard, which didn't exist when I was hired. He used to be like 
this technical guy or CFO. And the CEO was like, you should go meet with Steve and he can show you some stuff about analytics. And I go over there and he shows me this Google Analytics dashboard that he's created for the Washington Examiner. And it shows like the traffic of every single writer. And he was like, do you guys want this for the Weekly Standard? And I told him, no. And he was like, well, why not? And he's like, we could do it like for all of your contributors and all this other stuff. And I was like, we're paying, you know, a lot of these contributors are writing for a website like next to nothing you know like what am i supposed to do be like oh we're not going to pay you 50 dollars because like your story didn't get on drudge you know or we're going to start firing people i mean at the end of the day uh, you know we we had influence clearly i mean the president mm-hmm. of the united states was like gleeful in our demise <laughs> you know the president doesn't tweet his glee about the demise of publication if it wasn't influential i mean it's yeah. that's you know incontrovertible i mean if like you know, I can't even think of like something a, that a, didn't matter. He, yeah, that died. He wouldn't, he wouldn't, he he wouldn't, wouldn't be tweeted about, about. like Trump stakes. But, <laughs> but I'll, so I'll tell you, yeah, well, I'll tell you the story. So during the the shutdown in what was it, 2013, the Ted Cruz, <laughs> um, the Ted Cruz shutdown about yeah. uh, Planned Parenthood, Jonathan Last wrote a really good editorial about how um, Obama was using his discretionary power to determine what got shut down and what didn't to deny World War II veterans the ability to see the World War II memorial. And these guys are like literally dying off every day. Mm-hmm. And it's an open air memorial where there's, you know, not, you know, it's, it's, it's not like a museum, right? Where you have to pay yeah. for air conditioning or whatnot. I mean, you do have to have security, but they're still going to have security to make sure people don't vandalize it. And it was a really powerful editorial and it didn't do very well online, but you don't know who reads your story. I was driving into work that day, and I saw some redneck from South Carolina mowing the lawn of the Lincoln Memorial. I got into the office, and I searched Twitter, and I found someone had taken a picture of it. And I just wrote, like, a little story. It was just, like, this guy, and I, like, was able to, like, I wouldn't say totally aggregate, but, like, I witnessed it, wrote what I saw. I found a picture on Twitter, and then I found another, like, interview that he did that morning with a local uh, television station. And I put it all together, and it got, like, 300,000 views, like, in a day crap is that influence you know like and i and i think that's kind of a difference of where we're going with the bulwark is like that that was clickbait i know what i did was clickbait it was interesting i mean it was sort it was newsworthy but what jonathan wrote was far more important than some guy from south carolina mowing the lawn of the lincoln memorial but you know that's all those guys over there care care about and you know they're still going to lose millions of dollars every year just as they have forever and and will until this experiment ends. Yeah, and I think when uh, on the commentary podcast, like right after it went down, I think J-Pod did a really good job of explaining how you know it, it, the the money of it, where you know they're it, it's a it's a it's always going to lose money no matter what. And uh, Anschutz knew that going into it, and and like you said earlier, it was, it was a rounding error for him. Yeah, it was never like. Oh man! Like if if we could just do these a few adjustments, it's going to be a huge money maker. Yeah, it's opinion journalism doesn't make money. Like it, it wasn't it wasn't about money. Why they killed the Weekly Standard? No, you know it's funny. On the Bulwark today, we uh, our big story was that uh, two now former Red State writers wrote yeah. a manifesto about why they quit. I was just watching people comment, people that I know, people that I don't know, that I like that I don't like, respect, don't respect. It was just like, they're just doing this, you know, for the traffic and the ads. And like, they just want Trump to tweet about them. And it was just like, our website literally has no advertisements and we don't have a paywall. And it is not a consideration. 
You know, if you think someone's going to be like, oh, these two people quit another web page, we're going to give this other web page money because they publish this. No, that's that's not how it works. I mean, that's like re- like redeeming coupons. But people that's redeem, stupid. People stupid redeem crap. coupons at a, at a rate of like 2%. What do you think, mm. like, the rate of, like, website visitors donating to a, yeah. like, a web pages? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm guessing it's probably, like, Less than 0.2%. But, I mean, that, that stuff, like, from people who have no idea, and even if they're not full-on Trump supporters, maybe just... Like, the people that's, that are saying that should know better. There are a lot of people that don't know better, and they don't know, you know, you guys don't have advertising. And, and they think, oh, well, that makes sense. They're just doing this for, for the advertising. And, and, and so, so many people probably believe it. Yeah, well, I mean, Jonah goes on... The rant, I've heard his rant a couple of times on different podcasts where he gets accused of yeah. being anti-Trump or never Trump because the of the money, because of the money. <laughs> like, it's, it's insane. It's literally insane. We, we also figured that since we have an Ohioan on, on the podcast, we should uh, ask them some questions. Ryan, uh, do you have them? Yes. Uh, this quiz was sent to us again two weeks in a row. Jason Cooper sent sent in a, a quiz. This quiz is was... It, is it like if you send us anything, we'll read it? Is, is that how this works? Yeah. I mean, we basically are on a first-name basis with every single one of our listeners. So <laughs> if... Uh, Speaking of metrics... <laughs> You should make them pay you for this. I mean, like, how, how else does this thing get funded? I mean, you guys don't have big, big debt. Who funds the Federalist? Well, I mean, we, we've got Guy Fieri reading ads for us, so we've got to be getting some. I think Thomas is keeping all that money. But, so this is a quiz specifically uh, tailored for Jim being on the podcast. We kind of let Jason know that uh, Jim was going to be on. So uh, we're, we're going to start off with an easy one. Okay. It's it's a multiple choice question, and, and anybody can answer. Thomas and Chris can also answer, and you buzz in by saying your name. Multiple choice. Swift. Best best movie about Cleveland. A, Major League. B, The Fortune Cookie. C, American Splendor. Or D, Welcome to Collinwood. Uh, Swift. E, Howard the Duck. <laughs> Holy Lord! That's actually the answer. <laughs> he, did he send this to you too? seriously yeah that's the answer correct wow i think i think the quiz is over i I was gonna say that 70s show but (laughs) yeah no i mean the the true the true real answer is major league but um no e howard the doc is uh, i I knew was the troll answer so i went with that I know how you fuckers think. Jason, you're not... Jason, you can't outthink Jim. <laughs> Question number two. Which famous chef can you find in the aisles of every supermarket got his start in Cleveland? Uh, Matt Swift, Michael Simon, or Chef Boyardee. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> chef Boyardee. His name was Hector Boyardee. Uh-huh. Uh, B-O-I-A-R-D-I. And he had a restaurant in Parma. I have his cookbook at... Jason. Uh, Jason definitely sent this to him to, to <laughs> no, make us not. stupid. <laughs> Either no, that not. or we have the Rain Man on. Someone spill some no, tea and have Jim gotta, try to count them. Jason, this is embarrassing. You were supposed <laughs> to troll Jim with this quiz, and you are getting oh, – we're going to have to <laughs> Jason just to, just hey, to you know berate what? him. We're going to have to Michael's, berate him over this. My, Michael Siam is a member of the same country club my family is a member of. So, Oh, nice. He's the TV chef. Hector Boyardee is long dead. 
<laughs> but I did, I did buy the original throwback uh, beefaronis uh, that have like all the like awesome fat and you know deliciousness that you should look for in shelves. Okay. Um, uh, uh, it's a ConAgra product now, but uh, the the Boyardee story is very inspiring. Uh, uh, Jim, how do you feel about Skyline Chili? Uh, I mean, that's a Cincinnati thing. We do have Skyline Chilies in Northeastern Ohio. We begrudgingly will accept the Cincinnati Chili. Chili is not as big of a thing in Cleveland, but I, I like it. It's not my favorite. I mean, we have a local yeah, chili. I've been, I mean, I grew up in Indianapolis, and so I, I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan, and so I drove... You know, I've been in Cincinnati quite a bit, and it's, I don't know, the long noodles are a little weird, the spaghetti noodles, but uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's so fine. Ryan, Ryan, were you the one that had diarrhea to start the show? <laughs> <laughs> because it looks like diarrhea, but, I mean, it's basically like Greek bolognese, right? Um, so, like, I'll, I'll get it. It's, it's okay, but we have this local chili chain called Hard Times Cafe in Alexandria and throughout D.C., and they have Cincinnati. It was founded by Ohioans. They have Cincinnati chili, and it's, it's good, but the Texas chili is better. Um, so it's just like... If you want chili chocolate with and cinnamon, no beans, chili with no, oh, you can get skyline with beans, but I, um, that's how I, I like when, when, when my wife, when my wife wants to make chili, like I like it with beans, but she, so I make, I have to make two separate things. And, and Thomas, you, you, you ate the chili that I made. There's no beans in it. She no wants like this, uh, uh, the seasoning that I got from her mom, her mom's Hispanic. Uh, so I got this uh, recipe from her mom it's meat and tomatoes and seasoning and no beans, but I, I put beans in mine. You should never buy canned chili with beans because that's how they fuck you. I mean, cause beans cost nothing. And yeah. like they put way too many beans in there. So they screw you on the meat. You should always buy the beadless chili and add they your own beans. beans. Yeah. Uh, Hashtag screw you on the meat. And there's a specific okay. brand you recommend too, right Jim? That's how they I, do. I have a, I have a couple chili man. I mean, as I told you, right. it's, yeah, 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 uh, that's good. Chili, man. It's pretty that's, good. That's good stuff. So next question. Rain man. Well, I don't even I, know. You've destroyed Jason so far. <laughs> question my number dad, three. My dad oh. lets me drive the car only on Tuesdays. And of course, I'm an excellent <laughs> driver. <laughs> <laughs> what is a Cleveland steamer? Don't answer that. That's what it says. <laughs> okay. So uh, I, I will answer the question in a roundabout way. Before Cleveland won any championships in my lifetime, we had an indoor soccer team called the Cleveland Crunch. And imagine a hockey rink that instead of ice, you know, it was just AstroTurf. And then they had yep. like, you know, small goals. It was mm-hmm. the indoor soccer league. And the Cleveland right. Crunch won like three national championships. St. Louis had a team in the same league, which is now defunct, called the St. Louis Steamers. And I always just thought we should switch names because <laughs> they could be the St. Louis Crunch and we could be the Cleveland the Steamers. And if you've had a lot of Skyline Chili, I mean, oh. you're going to get diarrhea. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, did that answer the question? I think, I think so. I think it did, yeah. And indoor soccer leagues. Are, I've played in a few indoor soccer leagues. Those are dangerous. Question number four. How many times has the Cuyahoga River caught on fire? Ooh, it's a lot. Um, <laughs> Not incorrect. Oh, apparently, yeah. 13 uh, times. What is okay, going on? Yeah. In the Cuyahoga I was going to say at least 10. Yeah. Um, I'll give you I'll give you at least 10. That 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 is that is basically 13. What what do you have any explanation there? One Twitter account to follow is the Northeastern Ohio Regional Stu- Sewer District. They have a whole <laughs> bunch of funny stuff. Um, and because uh, 
the burning the burning of the Cuyahoga River as as many times as it burned was part of the reason why Richard Nixon created the Environmental Protection Agency. So <laughs> thanks, Cleveland. Uh, He's like, wow, our, even our rivers are starting a fire. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's true. I mean that that I'm, I'm I'm not making that up. That was that was part of the impetus for it. You know, you never let it, never let a crisis go to waste. Um, <laughs> this question, I uh, you're gonna get this. So, which which hometown Cleveland man had to pack up and go to a new town to win his first championship? LeBron James. Well, I mean, there there are actually a couple. Vinny, uh, sorry, excuse me. First person or I mean, there are numerous. That, that's yeah, he, he doesn't specify actually. Okay, uh, so LeBron but... LeBron James is one answer, but Bernie Kosar is another because he actually won the Super Bowl as a uh, Dallas Cowboy. Do, do you have, do you have a third answer? This one's actually earlier than those two. <laughs> yeah, more like, of the, with, uh... like like within my lifetime. He uh, the thing is, yep, he, yeah. he wasn't even think of old rich white guy. <laughs> oh, Art Modell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't with the Colts when the Colts won the championship. No, no, no. Art Modell took the Browns to Baltimore. He and the Ravens. Oh, okay, the Braven. A sidebar, Chris, you mentioned uh, 30 ESPN 30 for 30. There's a new one out that uh, uh, Dion takes two. It's it's pretty good. It's about Deion Sanders yeah. and when he uh, was playing for the uh, Braves and the Falcons at the same time. It's pretty cool. Uh, question number six, the last question. I do not understand this question. Favorite yeah. Mandel. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so this is a very good troll question because <laughs> he's, he's trying to goad me into discussing Bethany Mandel or Seth Mandel. <laughs> okay. But no, no, no. It, 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 it does not. It does not end there. Uh, Bethany is, is most people who follow me on Twitter. No, I'm not a big fan of her. Right. Um, Seth Mandel. Yes. I agree with most of his politics, except when I'm, you know, arguing his bullshit. Are you going to be his hip hop writer? <laughs> oh, I, I was. I, I was hoping. <laughs> no. Uh, but you know that that's what they promised with more culture, right? Uh, crossword. The crossword puzzle. For, yeah, in the crossword puzzle. People love that crossword puzzle, you know, because people over the age of 50 love shit about hip-hop. That That's the way to grow your base. Uh, crossword you know. puzzles and hip-hop. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I, I, Seth, and, Seth and I agree on politics on probably nine out of ten issues. Um, you know, but, you know right. yeah. it's, it's like that scene from The Rock. You're up here and we're down there, you know. Stand down, stand down. Yeah, you know. And then we all get shot, um, you know, in the Navy SEALs. Yeah. So uh, there actually is an answer to this question. So the answer is Josh Mandel. Oh. Okay. Explain. Josh I don't Mandel, even know who Josh Mandel is. Josh Mandel is the treasurer of the state of Ohio. He's okay. run – he ran for Senate, I think, what, twice now? And Josh was my mentor in politics. And oh. um, when I was wow. like 16 – in 2000, uh, I was in high school – he was a he was the only like aide of a local a state rep like the the only guy who is a Republican from like like close to Cleveland I mean not like you know a suburb or an exurb then he ran for Lindhurst City Council he became a state rep himself and then he became state treasurer and then he you know ran for higher office and so Josh Mandela and I've always been friends so uh, that, if the, if the question that, is favorite Mandela that must it's clearly be in- Josh. Okay, that means uh, that, Jason that's incorrect. Must have really done his research on you, 
because his troll answer was Howie. He loved Bobby's world, but he must have known that you would say Josh Mandel. So <laughs> Jason got one, got one out of six. <laughs> is how is is Howie Mandel from Cleveland? I think Howie Mandel is from Canada. <laughs> I think so too. Yep, he's from Willowdale, uh, Toronto, Canada. And was I know that Bobby's because... world was Bobby's world at least based in Cleveland? What? No, I don't. I don't understand, Jason. I I listen to I when I listen to Sirius XM. I have Comedy Central, and if any of the listeners here on the SSEU have Sirius XM in the car, you should uh, add Canada Laughs to your favorite hmm. channels because there are so many weird comics, and Canadians are also yeah. weird, like <laughs> Swedes. Um, and you can, I mean, it's someone who grew up close to Canada, like the sense of humor is something I find funny, but Howard Mandel being a Canadian, like sometimes he'll go on, he'll start doing Bobby's world impressions and then start dropping <laughs> F bombs. And you're yeah. like, Whoa, you're like, it's, it's, you know, it's, it'd be like, uh, I, I can't think of a comparable example. Like someone from, it'd be like Seth MacFarlane doing a stand up comedy act, like talking about <laughs> Stewie and it'd be like, Ooh, Ooh. Brian, do you want a Cleveland steamer? I love Cleveland steamers. <laughs> you know, I mean, and you'd be like, what? This was my childhood. I mean, granted, ch- children should not be watching Family Guy. But Bobby's World. But Bobby's World know, like, was for kids. And so yeah. from F-bombs to Bobby's World is a yeah. is a tough transition. Yeah. Yes, but, but Canada Laughs is a great station. And you should all subscribe to it. Are, are you familiar with um, with uh, Stitcher Premium? Um. Why are you bringing this up? Because well, it sounds like he listens to satellite radio comedy, and I just want to inform him about a life-changing opportunity with Stitcher Premium. Okay, so the last dealings I ever had with Stitcher was when I was still at the Weekly Standard, and um, a bunch of you assholes were like, why aren't you on Stitcher? <laughs> Wait a second. First of all, it's probably only me. So I never said that. <laughs> no, no, no. I, it, it just came down to the leadership hierarchy and it was just like you know these people who probably don't subscribe to our magazine but enjoy our free content are like yeah you should you know do this and it didn't cost anything so i went on their webpage and i was just like okay i'd like to get on stitcher and they're like we're so busy we'll get back to you so it like took like a month and a half <laughs> and they so they finally get us to get on stitcher too uh, I, yeah I, no I no they don't make it they don't make it easy so like they finally no. got back and I was like, oh, cool. So we're on Stitcher. And like I downloaded the app and I looked at it. And I was just like, I have an Android. I, I listened to podcasts on my browser because I'm a monster. Um, <laughs> I mean, I drove too, you know, so like what am I supposed to do? And so I was just like, ah, fuck this. Now that you're in front of a microphone in front of the SSEU, uh, what, is, what is Sonny wrong about? Nothing. He's right about everything. Taco Bell is the best Mexican <laughs> restaurant. I mean, I, I agree with Sonny on the the chain theory and, and just and so many things. But I'm I'm looking right now at Sonny Bunch's tweets, uh, doing advanced search that involve the word wrong, and uh, I'm I'm just scrolling. Did nothing wrong. Probably not wrong. He's not wrong. Did nothing wrong. Wow, wrong. This meme is never wrong. This is wrong. Wow, wrong. Uh, 
<laughs> so he's quiet about everything. He has okay. offered himself up to be the next Batman because they're looking for one. Yeah, I just don't know if he would be more of a better Batman or a better Bruce Wayne because I mm. could see Sonny being a better Bruce Wayne than a Batman. <laughs> yes. Sonny would be a great Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yes, like sitting there yeah. with his captain's hat, you know, Alfred. <laughs> Ahoy. <laughs> I'm half cocked. Please bring me... Please bring me another uh, sea-aged, you know, Jeffersonian Virginia whiskey while I watch the Criterion Collection streaming, uh, you know, version of some black and white movie that I'm going to pay $9.99 a month forever to get the discount. Jim, I, I have a question That's from... That's the meanest uh, I have ever been to Sunny Bunch. And he'll never listen to it because he probably yeah. doesn't listen to this fucking podcast mm, ever. No, he doesn't so. listen he to does. any podcast, he says. I, I believe it. Yeah, I, I do too. Uh, Jim, I have a question from listener uh, Laura Mason. What was the last movie or TV show you watched? Okay, so I stopped going to movies because I, like Jonathan, I, I hate most other people. Good. Uh, <laughs> And I'm also a little bit bitter that our former owner at the Weekly Standard, who was the majority owner of Regal Cinemas, wouldn't even give us, oh. like, a pittance of a discount. Hmm. Like, if he had given me, like, a 25% discount on movies, I would never go to any cinema but Regal Cinemas. Right. An, I, I literally could, like, go outside and, like, walk to an AMC theater in, like, 15, like, in 10 minutes. It's across the beltway. But, no, I, I hate seeing movies. Jeez, I can't. Like, I couldn't even tell you guys the last movie I saw in theaters. Couldn't fucking well, do it. Black Black Panther. I mean, right? <laughs> no, no. I, yeah, everyone watched Black Panther. No, I don't think I've been to a movie theater in like the better part of five years. Well, I have good wow. news for you. February first, Oscar Best Picture nominee Black Panther returns to the big <laughs> screen. I kid you not. Fans of all ages can see the movie. For free, in honor of Black History Month. For free? At participating oh, okay. AMC theaters. Okay, so... For, for free? Last, I might go. I'm sure some but, kids will. But this was a two-part question. Last television show that I watched... Yeah. This, this is that, very important to the SSEU. We would like to know the last TV show you watched. Or, well, I mean, specifically, it, Laura would like to know. Okay, does this have to be over-the-air television that the pores can watch? Or are we talking cable? <laughs> no, are we talking cable, st- streaming, oh, is, is, anything. Is there, like, some secret... Like, does the bulwark have a secret television network? That, <laughs> oh, I bet they do. I How much they, do you have to donate to get uh, <laughs> the JBL Jim Swift TV show? <laughs> a lot. It, it's, it's like um, a variety show, like... <laughs> Jim's like playing songs with the piano and Jim is gonna Jim is gonna name something on C-SPAN <laughs> yeah Washington Oops. Journal um, no I don't read I watch uh, Westworld um, yes uh, Silicon I, Valley yeah. um, and I mean the, the last thing I actually watched full movie I watched the fire festival <laughs> and uh, I just I have a hankering for some some Evian which you know is, is you know is oh it's a pretty is, pricey you... is not na- is naive are you prepared to do what you need to do <laughs> get that Evian get that water on his, on his knees for Jesus right <laughs> We had a whole yeah. discussion about that that Thomas cut out because it got a little dark. <laughs> it's because he's fin. It's it's you know I was gonna say finish. Uh, it's because it's because he's Scandinavian. That works. Yeah. I I respond to all of these nationalities. It's fine. Okay, so uh, I have I have another more more serious question. So the the Weekly Standard 
was obviously not the only conservative magazine out there. Then it, it went under. Uh, so what would you say that the identity... It was killed. Don't say it went under. <laughs> Which was murdered by McKibben. Uh, what would you say that the identity of the Weekly Standard was that made it distinct from the American greatness or uh, the Federalist? Can, can one not argue that these were all the same? And, and a follow-up question. I heard that the Washington Examiner is going to start releasing um, Mobisodes for the Razor Flip. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> um, great troll question. Um, all, right, all right. What if? What if instead of American greatness and the Federalist, what if we put in commentary and National Review? Okay. Well, I mean, I, I think a little bit of background is in order. My path to the Weekly Standard uh, was sort of ass backwards. My my mom my mom was a journalist. She went to Ohio State, majored in journalism, wrote for a paper in Greater Cleveland. And, um, you know, I wrote for like our little grade school paper. And then I went to high school and I didn't write for a paper and I was involved in politics. I went to college and I was involved in politics. And I wrote for our paper opinion, you know, uh, opinion uh, pieces for the the paper that pissed people off. I was I was owning the libs. Yes. Uh, uh, you know, liberal tears. You know, I was like the I was like the OG hipster in a way. Before you went and home so, to watch Judge Wapner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm here from the Nielsen. Uh, yeah, you're going to be the next Nielsen family. And uh, <laughs> anyway, sorry, we're, we're making Rain Man Cincinnati jokes here. <laughs> uh, and so uh, th- then when I graduated from college where I studied business, I was like, oh, maybe I'm going to be marketing creative. That's going to what I'm, I'm like. I love commercials. I love advertising. I love I, I, I love all of this and branding and all this stuff. But like politics, I mean, I, I dropped out of college for a semester and I worked for the Bush campaign as a you know paid full time employee. And then I went back, graduated semester late. When I graduated, I um, got my first job in the Senate. And I was I loved it. I worked there for like four years and then I went over to the house and I didn't like it so much. So, you know, I, I go through all of this, you know, I, I, I love politics and I deal with all of this with journalism. What really was something that was interesting to me that kind of inspired me about all this back when I was in high school was I went to these Young, young America's Foundation conferences and uh, all two of you uh, who subscribe to the Weekly Standard Dead Tree Edition, um, you know, back when it existed, you know, you might have seen these things like the National Conservative Student Conference. And these things are like heavily subsidized by the olds, right? So like my parents would basically be like, oh, so I get to get rid of my kid for $150 and they're going to feed him? Fuck yeah, here's $150. (laughs) We'll send him to Washington for a week. And I got to meet like Jonah Goldberg, Fred Barnes, Thomas Sowell, um, Ted Nugent. He was insane then. (laughs) And Coulter, you know, like, I mean, look. That's great. Thomas Sowell, Ted Nugent. (laughs) All the great speakers and writers. (laughs) <laughs> well, look, it, it wasn't perfect back then, and it's certainly not perfect now. And I've criticized them. If anyone wants to search my my Twitter feed about like why Young America's Foundation should like dump Dinesh D'Souza, because yeah. like oh. when I was in high school, Dinesh D'Souza wasn't crazy, right? Like, right. Yeah. 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 But now he's batshit insane. Like yeah. he's literally Mickey Rooney crazy pills insane. Um, and the fact that they're like, just like National Review, why the fuck he's in the mass head? It makes no sense. My favorite uh, fact about Dartmouth College is that they count both Dinesh and uh, Laura Ingram as, uh, as their graduates. Yeah. Well, and we can talk about the hose story later, maybe in the after show for, uh, for Patreon listeners. But I, sub- 
but I subscribed to the Weekly Standard in 1999, right? And so uh, I, I've been reading the Weekly Standard, you know, since four years after it started. I mean, because when it was founded, I was in fifth grade. You know, I wouldn't have known what to do if I got a magazine with <laughs> Newt Gingrich swinging like Tarzan with a fucking Uzi. <laughs> I, I was in fifth grade, man. I didn't know shit about politics. I mean, um, so yeah, no, dude, it was a great place to work. It was the best job I ever had. And, um, you know, some people say, don't meet your heroes. I'm damn glad I did. It was a great place to work. I'm very, very sad about what happened. And, uh, you know, happy to have not signed their hush money agreement so I can make fun of Ryan McKibben and others in perpetuity. <laughs> Did that answer your question, uh, Thomas, or no. did I filibuster it? Uh, <laughs> okay, so ask me a follow-up. Then, uh, uh, but, but so, I so, got nostalgia. <laughs> so the, the weekly standard is gone, but, but why could I not, uh, if I were conservative, so, just uh, go and... and National Review, what, yeah. what made it different? Yeah. Um, well, I think what made it different is because what, and, and sorry, I did lose my my nostalgic place <laughs> of thought there because I also subscribed to National Review and my parents let me read both the magazines. Commentary, even though it existed, I think back then um, was not big in Young America's foundation. You know, despite me, you know, growing up in like a very heavily Jewish area with lots of you know prominent Jewish conservatives in Cleveland, so I, I read National Review and Weekly Standard. You know, since the late '90s, uh, you know, obviously, what separated the Weekly Standard from National Review is that it was a weekly magazine. Mm-hmm. And you know, when I would get National Review, I'd be reading stuff that you know I read a week before in the Weekly Standard, and it was longer. And their version of they, I think they call it the Week. Uh, we called it the Scrapbook. Um, you know, it was like six pages long and it was just like okay okay i get it i get it okay i get it i get it you mean like five pages later it's just like okay i mean this this stuff's two weeks old (laughs) um and they've never changed that and i I think that's a huge flaw for them there were people that i liked uh, way back then uh but the weekly standard has did not evolve that much in terms of its format i mean Mm -hmm. they had a casual essay they had editorials they had, you know, short uh, reported articles. They had opinion articles, and then they had, you know, the books and art section. And, um, you know, I'm not an arts and letters guy, but I learned a lot from this. I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting that, like, I don't really give a shit about a like a art um, exhibition at the New York Metropolitan Museum of Art or whatever <laughs> in MoMA. I'm not going to fucking go see it, um, but. Some of our subscribers are. And, you know, it was a general interest magazine. It's not to say we should never have run those items, right? I mean, we had a, we, you know, we had a sophisticated reader base. But, you know, back when I was in ninth grade and, you know, when I was 34 years old, I still don't give a shit about an art museum <laughs> exhibit at an art, at an art museum that I'm never going to go see. But a lot of our readers did. And that was like a really cool thing that we did that I don't think National Review did because National Review focused more on the national. And I think we more focused on political elites, people who, uh, regardless of wherever they lived, you know, kind of wanted to know, like, what do people in Washington think about this or that? You know, what's going on in New York? I mean, we had subscribers. I I mean, after I left the Hill, I mean, I I had this customer service gene in me. We did not have a big customer service department at the Weekly Standard. So when subscribers wrote in to complain, guess who they talked to? Me. I became friends with a ton of people, and I'm still friends with them, and and, uh, at least some of them, because, you know, 
when after we all got fired abruptly, not all of them got my personal email address, and uh, I doubt a lot of them are using Twitter. I remember there was this guy, uh, his last name was Novotny. He lived in like the Czech Republic, and he was just like, hey, I got this book. I thought you think, I think you'd really like it. And he mailed me a book. <laughs> I mean, like, like, and, and it wasn't like some like creepy thing where it was just like you open it up and there was like gas and it was, you're going to pass out and he was just going like, to kidnap you and steal your kidneys. I mean, like we have this and I'm not going to name, I'm not going to name this person, but like, you know, Jonathan last used to write a newsletter for, at the Weekly Standard that like when I started there, I edited and I put out for him. He created a lot of friends in this newsletter stuff and, you know, Jonathan and is if you had met Jonathan seven years ago, like when I first met him, and I'll tell you guys this story because I'm not sure Jonathan's ever going to listen to this. Shannon will, and so she'll probably narc on me. So, <laughs> but I've told this story enough times that I'm not worried about having him firing me from the bulwark. I was like this like guy who wanted to be friends with everyone. I'm like Weekly Standard. I've read it for all the time. I want to be friends with everyone. So like, hey Jonathan, I'm going to edit your newsletter and. <laughs> Jonathan was just like not interested in being friends with people like interns. If you were there as an intern, wouldn't say a word to you. So he goes to Mattis and he goes, I guess I'm gonna have to be friends with him, aren't I? (laughs) (laughs) And then he became my boss and now he's my boss and all this other sort of stuff. So there's, there's, there's this, there's this older person who has like read Jonathan's newsletters back when he used to have a standard one for years, they became pen pals. So we all move over to the bulwark uh, and this person became a pen pal of mine. We all move over to the bulwark and sure enough, who's like the first, and we put our emails in the bottom of our signatures saying like, hey, uh-huh. let us know. I mean, because let's be honest, we want people to donate money to make sure that this thing exists <laughs> in a couple months. And this, and sure enough, who's one of the first subscribers? This person. And it's just like, yay! <laughs> Name redacted. And, and but this person is just so nice. And they, they can be grumpy, they can agree, they can disagree, but it's, it's cool. Um, I never got that sense with the National Review. I don't think National Review has that culture that the Weekly Standard did. Uh, they have a lot of talented writers. I think their art sucks, and it, and it has since <laughs> the 90s for the most part. But commentary was more of like a recent thing, so I, I can't really compare commentary since I only started reading okay. commentary since I became aware of it. That was a stem winder of an answer. And uh, I know John, John Pothor is a big listener of this podcast. So, yeah. um, John, John yeah, I don't know really why you, I don't, I know, I don't know why you don't follow me back on Twitter, John. <laughs> Speaking of art, Hannah Yost, Weekly Standard alum, is alum. Sorry, Thomas, <laughs> Weekly Standard alum, um, is rocking it with the art at the Bulwark. Yeah, she like the yeah. She's living her best life. And, um, you know, when she ran our social media, I mean, I, I ran our social media at various points and oversaw the people who did. You know, she would have to, like, come to me if she had something that she thought was controversial. And so she, like, came to me and Jonathan at the Bulwark. Jonathan was just kind of like, ah, you know, we're not defending a 25-year-old brand's, like, you know, marketplace integrity. Like, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we wow. we are starting to run out of time. I have a couple of more questions. How many layers would Stephen Hayes wear to the office? Mm, two. That's that's a fucking oh, guess, that's a fucking disappointing okay, answer. Okay, yeah, maybe it's three. very disappointing. Uh, undershirt, undershirt, dress shirt, and like uh, either fleece jacket or dress jacket, depending whether or not he was going on television. But almost always jeans, because you can never see what 
you know, you, when you're on television, unless you're a woman in mid-time, prime-time on Fox, right. no one sees what you're wearing <laughs> under your they legs. Don't, they don't like dudes' legs, do they? What, uh, what dishwasher do you have? Uh, I have a General Electric dishwasher that I've had for 11 years now. And how loud is it? Uh, you know, I bought JBL the decibel meter. Yeah. That was like my... <laughs> I sent, yep. I sent that we're, to him. We're aware of this, yeah. Uh, but, how, how, know, here, how loud is yours? Uh, I'll tell you this. I like when I when I listen to this and I and I listen with interest because I want to move to, like I would like to be JBL. I would like to live in Woodbridge because um, my before we all got fired, my wife and I were looking at buying a house in Woodbridge. You know, because we have twins and a dog and a two bedroom, two bathroom basically 1200 square foot apartment and you know all those plans got thrown out the window but it's actually really quiet i gotta be honest <laughs> with you unless like i if, yeah. if, if my dishwasher were running right now i couldn't hear it over my headphones <laughs> and if i was in bed or in my bedroom awake or asleep i couldn't hear it so like i understand like look jbl does have sort of a rain man obsession with these sorts of things <laughs> And look, everyone has their obsessions. There's there's nothing wrong with that. I can't hear my dishwasher. It is not loud at all. And my dishwasher is, let's see, I moved into this place in 2008. And that thing was probably already a year old. So it is probably, at this point, 2007 to 2019. <laughs> it's that fucking old. And I can't hear it. I literally can't hear it. It's a, but, you didn't pay extra so. for it. <laughs> no. No, you didn't have to say this. Lows. How many times a day do you remind JVL how much quieter your <laughs> dishwasher is? I've actually never discussed the, the the sound of my dishwasher with him. That's a that's a missed opportunity. <laughs> I know, but I did make my wife listen to the episode about dishwasher loading, and she got converted. And like, <laughs> we are, and I was just like, thank you. Uh, but I will say this. I'm going to throw this at you. Trivia, trivia. Have any of you read Jonathan Last's cover story about trisodium phosphate? No. No. Nope. See? Is that the thing that I... they took out of dishwasher soap? That Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Jonathan Last had an awesome cover story when I worked on the Hill. And at the time, I wasn't married, and my roommate was my sister who lived here. And she was a big wine person. I was more of a beer whiskey guy. And she would put her wine glasses in, and she was just like, why are they so cloudy? I don't get it. Uh-huh, and yes. I got – yeah, so I'm reading the Weekly Standard, and I, I get this cover of this, like, 50s housewife, like, shocked that there's shit on a plate. And Jonathan Last explained, and oh, uh, – Yes. So you have to go on Amazon.com and have the benevolent Lord Bezos send you trisodium phosphate, which you mix in with your dishwasher detergent, and you will never have a cloudy wine glass again because that- of these – Commies in Washington State. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. This is from listen. 2011. He's already referencing buying it on Amazon. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you, Jim, for joining us for this episode. One last thing before we go. Uh, on behalf of everyone in the SSEU, and I am uh, sure uh, others who have listened to the substandard or who have subscribed to the weekly standard, we were all very sad uh, when the weekly standard stopped publishing, and we are all equally excited that the Bulwark is up and running. And if you are listening to this and you are not subscribing to the Bulwark's news- newsletters, you should do so now. There is one from JVL, and there is one from uh, James Swift that will appear daily in your inbox and tell you what you need to know for the day. Donate money to them. You should. You definitely should. Need money. 
Yeah. If you can, if you can, I mean, yeah. don't, don't, don't. I mean, support the cause. Don't, don't talk yeah. him out of it, Jim. <laughs> you can. Ah, I mean, you really With only it, need to eat twice a day. <laughs> Unless you want I mean, diarrhea. He does. He does have two daughters. You know, it's it's. He doesn't exactly. need to do that much. All right. So uh, thank you, Jim. Thank you, guys. I, it, it was, I'm sorry I stood you guys up a couple weeks ago. And uh, Ryan, if you're listening. Um, you know, thanks for listening and all my media DC friends, you know, <laughs> make sure you save this uh, in your burn file. Opening theme music, David Schwartz. Opening voiceover, Tim Lewis. Cover design, Nick Chu, at the Nick A. Chu. You know, I swear I've been recording these credits every week, but I've accidentally been uploading them to the same website as JVL uploads his show notes. I'd prove it to you, but it's on the dim web and... Yeah, Mr. Robot Browser and the lead singer of Queen to explain it to you. Uh, that's a lot to ask. Anyway, it's at the Nick HU on Twitter. Thank you to Patrick Kinney for Evernote Premium. Evernote, never say Evernote again. Nope, that didn't work. Special thanks to this week's guest, Jim Swift. Follow him on Twitter at JimSwiftDC and check out his work at thebulwark.com and listen to the Daily Bulwark podcast. See you later, crocodiles. Was it Casey Jones? In case you the bad who died, and I probably got famous for that. Killed by a swerve, they blow by the curve. Do you ever think they ever thought they got what they deserve? Go pity the bullet, pity the man. They both found a place in the same sad plan. Our listeners are aware of this. This, this is no secret. At, at uh, SwampCon, you're going through the basement, kind of. You, you, you shared with Thomas and, and, no, and that, Ryan. That, that was me. I met Jim. I, I, you may or may not remember, but I, we, I remember. we briefly met in the basement because we, we got there very late, and uh, you were. And, and uh, you apparently were like, uh, I've worked with this guy for six years, and I've never been to his house. It, I'm going through everything. And My it was obviously is, a what? joke. He wasn't going through anything. It, it, yeah. It, it was a joke. But Okay, uh, let's but say you yeah, weren't joking. So, uh, you find anything interesting? No, no. It was, so the reason why I was down in the basement, um, you know, where we met was, I mean, you were down there and they have like 
this um like yeah i put we brought our daughter down there we just were letting her crawl around yeah because they they had this like amazing room that had like you know baby tiles and like a ton of stuff it was like perfect for it i mean it was completely understandable why you were down there and that's where all the jackets were and so my wife you know my my wife and i have twins that are soon to be 16 months old and she was just like, oh, well, you know, we got to go now. And like, we were kind of overstaying it because, like, the girls go to bed like 7 o'clock. And you, they just don't sleep well at other people's places. Yeah. So my wife is just like, go down and get the jacket. So I'm going down there. And, you know, it, it is truthful. I had never been to Jonathan's house before that night. Uh, the only other time I was there was Jonathan had, like, a nice little get-together for all the, like, the youngs. After we got fired, um, and we just had like a like a fun little kind of get together, which was great. Um, did, did you get the pizza? To... Was it pizza? I thought we bought drinks. Oh, drinks! We okay. yeah. we funded a fair amount of that part. That's what yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, also, yeah. did you know there's a child sex ring at a pizza place in the DC area? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I had hoped you didn't bring that up because I put on this blonde wig and hoped that no one would catch me. I was. <laughs> I was there the other day. I was just like, I'm going to burn this place down. <laughs> curtains. I'm going to light them on fire. And Alex Jones, hey, we're going to turn the freaking frogs game in. Um, <laughs> just wore out for your mind, brother. Um, but no, no, no. I'd never been down. I had never been to his house. And so I'm going down the hall. I'm going down there. And look, I mean, Jonathan, everyone took the closure of the weekly standard differently. And I think we all took it hard. But, I mean, Jonathan, that was like the main job he's had in his adult life. And yeah. he's gotten a lot of cover stories. And, you know, all but maybe <laughs> like one have been really good. I'm just kidding. <laughs> in, in, case, in case he listens, this is my I, like poison pill to, to determine whether or not he listens. To be like, so, hey, man, what cover story did I write that you not like? Um, <laughs> I, I think the only no, interesting no, no. thing you pointed out was that he had a had a really expensive telescope is what you yes. found out. Well, I mean, given what we know about Jonathan and his passion for greatness right. and all yeah. things, Jonathan has the Bond watch. Shannon bought him the Bond watch for their, <laughs> I think, what, 15th wedding anniversary? Uh, the what it was the o- Omega Submariner or whatever. Yeah. I When I was in, I love Bond movies. Seamaster. Master. When I was in high school, I worked at a mall and I would go to the Bailey Banks and Biddle and I would like let ask them to let me look at that and they would let me and until i kept going too often and they're like we're not gonna let you do it and i'm like what you don't think my dad can afford it and then i was just like yeah bring your dad back and then we'll talk (laughs) Um, but like i overstayed my welcome just like tom harkin's old office manager emailed uh my office manager saying that i was going there too often to get free popcorn (laughs) and i wrote back like i'm sorry that you don't think that uh, I'm, you think I'm overstaying my welcome, but according to uh, S1, you know the the first law passed by Congress in 2007, um, you know uh, free items provided to members of Congress for uh, public consumption uh, are, are are cannot be restricted uh, un- under the Ethics Act, and so long as you're accepting Give me my free, popcorn, as long as you're popping free jolly popcorn and you're accepting it and i can smell that shit in my office <laughs> i am entitled to get as much free fucking popcorn as i want and there's nothing you can do about it and if you disagree change the fucking law 